Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, and it's May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo, 2023. Happy to join you. Glad you could join me. Uh, Oh, boy, here we go again. Uh, The border and immigration headed headlong into chaos with the apparent demise of Title 42 uh, arriving next week. You know, I've been talking about the borders forever, having spent 30 years of my adult life enforcing and administering the immigration laws. But I got to tell you, I never thought that I would see our country do what it's doing now under the Biden administration in terms of lack of border security, lack of immigration law enforcement, utterly ignoring the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission, Even violating the Constitution, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution says that the states are to be provided with a Republican form of government and protected against invasion and domestic violence. If what we have been witnessing on the Mexican border and other methods of entry, the northern border, look melted down, my goodness gracious, If this doesn't constitute an invasion, then I don't know what an invasion looks like. Perhaps I need a new dictionary. And bad as it is now, with the demise of Title 42, we can only imagine going to get worse, probably much worse. And while the mainstream media keeps saying the border communities, meaning those communities that lie along the southern border of the United States and those four so-called border states, California, New Mexico, excuse me, Arizona and Texas, what we're really ignoring is that we're a nation of 50 border states. And not because aliens are being moved around the country into other states and other cities, but because every state, every state provides access to the United States by foreign nationals and by international commerce. We're talking here about international airports, about America's 95,000 miles of coastline. We're also talking about the Canadian border. And to that point, and I may have mentioned it last week, if I'm being repetitious, forgive me, but last week the Justice Department issued a press release. This was last Friday, April 28th, joint statement from the 2023 U.S.-Canada Cross-Border Crime Forum, or CBCF, focused on fentanyl, opioids, firearms, violence, anti-money laundering and virtual currency, human smuggling, sex offender travel, and criminal justice reform. Wow. So we've got a problem on the northern border. I've only been saying this forever. The southern border is in a state of free fall. It doesn't exist except on maps. In reality... It's a wide-open border. Mayorkas went to Brownsville, Texas. I'm familiar with Brownsville. It's right next to Los Fresnos, Texas, where the U.S. Border Patrol Academy used to be. And I attended the Border Patrol Academy when I hired on with the old INS, Immigration and Naturalization Service, uh, back in 1971, a very long time ago, which 
uh, accounts for my uh, white and gray hair. <clears throat> I also visited Brownsville when my dad's brother passed away. He lived in San Antonio. I brought my two oldest sons with me to help take care of some of his affairs. Uh, and then we drove from San Antonio to Brownsville, walked across the bridge from Brownsville into Matamoros, Mexico. And it was a very different Matamoros and a very different Brownsville back then in the 90s as compared with where we are now. Matamoros is a hotbed for drug smuggling, human trafficking, and so forth. The border that's supposed to separate the United States from Mexico uh, is not separating us from anything. And this isn't a statement of bigotry. Our borders are essential because without borders, you cannot have sovereignty, and without sovereignty, you cannot have a country. And when you look at the situation in Mexico with the drugs and the violence and the corruption, you understand the problem. We also need to understand that we have to secure our border with Canada. And in fact, <clears throat> I provided the Canadians at their request with basically what amounted to a position paper about why they needed to implement what was then called the Western Hemisphere Travel Initiative, WHTI, which requires that people traveling from the United States to Canada or the United States to Mexico would need to bring a passport or similar document to attest to their actual identities. Prior to that, you could go across the border, make a verbal declaration, hi, I'm an American, and if they believed you, they let you in, and we did the same with people coming from Canada. Well, that's not a good situation, especially in the post-9-11 world. And that was the whole point to the Western Hemisphere Travel Initiative. It's also the whole point to the Real ID Act, which still is yet to be implemented more than 21 years after the terror attacks of 9-11. We move glacially, apparently, where national security and public safety are concerned. And when you look at the carnage from the crime and the drugs, you realize that to the politicians in Washington, we, the people, are speed bumps to their agenda, to their objectives. And they get their marching orders from the people with deep pockets that make campaign contributions. This is clearly the best government money can buy. The globalists are having a field day, and America's survival is literally on the line, on the line, whether it's the borderline uh, or other lines in the sand that have been erased, especially by this administration. So I thought this evening, with the imminent uh, demise of Title 42, although there are people in Congress, mostly Republicans, but some Democrats saying, wait a minute, we need to continue Title 42 for the foreseeable future because we can't deal with what's coming our way right now. What happens when we double the numbers, perhaps? We have no clue what's about to head our way. And I was just watching Fox News and the head of the Border Patrol who, by the way, during the congressional testimony only a few weeks ago said the border is not secure while Mayorkas insists that it is. Uh, by the way, just for the record, I believe that the border is secure. No, I haven't lost my mind, but the Biden administration and especially Mr. Mayorkas have made the border secure for the transnational gangs, for human traffickers, for international terrorists, for, for, for fugitives from justice, that border is doing exactly what they want it to do and doing exactly what it's not supposed to do where the safety of America and Americans are concerned. So I, I really think that the cartels and the gangs and the terrorist groups should be giving the Biden administration the MVP award because they certainly have proven to be a steadfast ally of the people who want to destroy us. 
there's no other way to say this. There's no other way to see it. And they don't want to resort to hyperbole. But how in the world do you justify flooding America with millions of people whose identities can't be verified? The 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, made it abundantly clear that border security is national security. And the way to prevent terrorist attacks is to keep the terrorists from getting into your country. It's that simple. This isn't rocket science, folks. We lock our doors at night, particularly when the police warn that there were burglars and home invaders wandering around, especially when the sun goes down. You don't leave your doors wide open. You can secure your door to make certain that nobody gets into your house who wants to hurt or kill you. Why is this a hard concept for this administration and the globalists to understand? So we're dealing with a crisis. And, and, you know, I made a point during one of my very first hearings, and I've testified before numerous hearings in the House and Senate, but shortly after 9-11, I made the point that you only get one opportunity for a first impression. And for millions of people from around the world who seek to enter the United States or who do enter the United States, the first laws that they encounter are our immigration laws. Think of the message right now being sent to people around the world, including criminals, gang members, terrorists, you name it. Come to America, violate our borders, violate our laws, and we will trip over ourselves giving you everything and anything your precious little hearts might desire. Is that really the first impression that anybody should have of any country? Come to America, violate the laws, and you can have a field day. And by the way, that isn't great enough for the bad guys. Come to places like New York, California, Illinois, where we have bail reform. So even if you commit a crime, you probably won't spend more than a couple of hours in the penalty box, which is really what prisons have become. In and out, boom, revolving door. Uh, imagine if we could take the energy, not only from the revolving door between K Street and, and, and the politicians, you know, all the staffers who go work for the lobbyists, I've said that before, but now let's hook up the revolving doors from America's various criminal justice systems around the United States, and you could have all the free energy you could possibly want. Just hook those revolving door spindles onto generators, and boy, oh boy, we could light up the world. So you come to America, violate our borders, violate our laws, go to various cities, especially sanctuary cities, free food, free education, free health care, free room and board, and if you happen to commit some crimes, don't worry, no actions will be taken against you because we are compassionate. We don't have compassion for people who are dying. Oh, no, no, no. Those people, well, that's collateral damage. The 100,000-plus who die of fentanyl poisonings each year now with the Biden administration not securing borders, uh, well, what can you do? It's the price of doing business. The open drug markets, encouraging young people to use drugs, um, confusing children beyond all recognizable values, uh, that there's 48 different sexes and all kinds of crazy stuff which takes away from the stability that children need in their lives. Children approaching puberty, children at puberty. If you remember back in those days in the dim distant past, those are times of turmoil for kids. They need something to anchor themselves to 
so that they have an optimistic view of the future, that they will make their mark in the world. They will make their way. Everything is going to be okay. When you start to attack the families, which is under attack, imagine children can have sex change uh, therapies without the parent's knowledge, but the same parent needs to sign a slip if the kid wants to go to the museum on a school trip. I mean, really? Parents that go to PTA meetings are declared terrorists? Look, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. Let's be real honest about everything. However, the Democrat Party has morphed into something ugly and dangerous. And too many times people refer to them as liberal. They're not liberal. They're the exact antithesis of liberal. Liberals celebrate the First Amendment. Liberals believe that every American has an absolute right to have his or her voice and opinions heard, even if we disagree, especially if we disagree. But the only condition being you don't cry the equivalent of fire in a crowded theater, and you don't call for violence. You don't incite riots. Okay? Other than that, and how many of the Democrats were out there talking about the, the, the Trump administration? Get in their faces, especially in public. Don't let them have that dinner. Scream at them. Yell at them. Confront them. Is that how it works? The Supreme Court came up with a decision about Roe v. Wade. I don't care what you think about the decision, but it's illegal to demonstrate outside the justices' homes, especially while they are deliberating over issues. What action was taken against the people that threatened the justices? Nothing. Nothing. They operated with impunity. Lady Justice is supposed to wear a blindfold because law enforcement is not supposed to take into account whether or not the administration agrees with positions taken by people who violate the law. If you violate the law, you violate the law. That's what it's supposed to be. As an agent, I didn't say, gee whiz, I wonder if this company contributes to one party or the other party. If they're contributing to the wrong party, maybe we should see how many illegal aliens are working there. He never did that. I hope they're not doing it now, but God only knows because I have no clue what guides them when you see all the insanity that's coming out right now. America is becoming a third world country in large measure because when you import an army of third world workers, and this is something that the Republicans wanted, folks, let's be honest, both sides of the aisle have done this to us. They wanted not cheap labor. That would be bad enough. They wanted to cheapen labor. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you bring in enough foreign workers who will work for third world wages and the third world conditions, that becomes the new norm. So if an American wants a job, that American better be willing to settle. You got it. The third world wages under third world conditions. And we're not just talking about menial manual labor jobs, but the high tech jobs. Bringing in an army of foreign workers that will work for lower wages, something Alan Greenspan called for back on April 30th, 2009, when he testified for Chuck Schumer when Schumer was the chairman of the Senate Immigration Subcommittee. Ben had the chutzpah to refer to American high-tech workers, people with advanced degrees in the STEM professions, called them the privileged elite and said they're making much too much money because they're being shielded from foreign competition and we need to end that shield immediately because that's what Bill Gates wants. And he said, and if we do that, well, then we greatly reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. When you hear this garbage about how we have to modernize the immigration laws, 
that is designed to take down the shield that is part and parcel of the immigration laws right now. According to immigration law on the books right now, aliens should not be hired when American workers are ready, willing, and able to do the job in that geographic location. Not just Americans, but lawful immigrants, people lawfully entitled to work in the United States. You can't bring in foreign workers when we have domestic workers who are ready, willing, and able to do the job. What's wrong with that? In fact, it was Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was very strong on immigration law enforcement to end the Depression. He said, I don't want American workers competing with foreign workers. Number one, any American who loses a job to a foreign worker doesn't help to dig America out of the Depression. Number two, if you bring in foreign workers, they will settle for less money, and that will become the new standard, and we need to elevate wages, not destroy the wage structure of the middle class. That's how we built the middle class, by using immigration to protect jobs and wages of Americans. What's happening now is the exact opposite. And in fact, what the open borders crowd, sides of the aisle, want is that in theory, a factory owner could walk into the factory, fire every American, and bring in only foreign workers who will work for a lower wage. And then what happens? What happens is more and more Americans start to lean to the left, to the socialist side. Why? They can't support themselves. If they can't support themselves, they need help. The party of the handout is the Democrat Party. They're happy to give money to the working poor. That attracts their votes. The Republicans will stand there and say, oh, we're not going to do that. Well, that's fine. But people vote their wallets. They vote their pocketbook. So what do you think happens? If we continue down that slippery slope, the Republican Party will go the way of the dodo bird. They will forever be an opposition party with the Democrats running the show. That's the goal of the Democrats. I am positively convinced that the goal of the Democrats is to destroy the middle class and with it, destroy the opportunities that the Republicans have to, to gain office, especially on the national level. Greed can be lethal. And this is lethal greed when people can say, oh, what do we really have to pay these people? Let's lower the wages. We don't need to give people a living wage. And there are people that are like that out there. And there's a lot of people that are in trouble financially. And who are they going to lean towards? the party that offers the handout. That is why between a lack of educating our kids about what communism really leads to, it's starting to sound more and more appealing to people who are unable to support themselves because of the inflation brought on by the fiscal policies of the Biden administration. That's where we are today. And so we have this avalanche of humanity, this tsunami of humanity, waiting for the starter's pistol to be fired, presuming that Title 42 goes away. And then what happens? And then what happens? The Biden administration has said that they're going to send 1,500 troops to the southern border, not to secure the border, but to provide assistance to the Border Patrol. Why does the Border Patrol need assistance? Because they're having a tough time processing all the asylum applicants. So when I was watching the news report just before airtime of my program, you had the head of the Border Patrol saying what? He said, guess what? What we really need to do um, is, is, is gear up because we're going to have a challenge in processing all the people coming in. Is that the mission of the U.S. Border Patrol, to process the people who are coming in? 
The purpose of the Border Patrol is to secure our border against the illegal entry of merchandise and people, contraband, drugs, weapons, counterfeit parts that maybe wind up on an airplane and the airplane crashes because the counterfeit part was used, whatever. The whole idea is the Border Patrol is supposed to interdict those individuals and that commerce which tries to circumvent the inspections process conducted at ports of entry. What are they doing now? Paperwork, processing asylum applicants. And most of these people will not qualify for asylum. Over 90% don't, because political asylum is a very specific uh, benefit. It's not given to aliens because they live in poverty or because there's a high crime rate, because the gangs are wandering the streets. Hell, if that was what asylum was about, just about residents of every blue state could qualify for asylum, right? Think of the crime rates in places like New York and Chicago and Los Angeles and San Francisco and the list goes on ad nauseum. No, political asylum is specifically dedicated to helping individuals who can prove a credible fear of persecution because of race, religion, ethnicity, tribal affiliation, sexual orientation, or political orientation. That is what political asylum is. Most of the people looking to enter the country are economic refugees, not political refugees. There is no such thing as an economic refugee. And Kamala Harris, by the way, who went nuts when President Trump sent the military to the border. I was on a show earlier today with Bobby Gunther Walsh in Pennsylvania, and he played a little clip of, of Kamala making fun of Trump. Oh, my God, they're taking the military, and they should be home for Christmas, and they're going to be down on the border to make a political statement. Well, if she's the border czar, I have to believe she's the reason that they're sending military to the border now, right? Or not. Who knows? We don't know who's running the show. So Kamala Harris keeps talking about root cause. We have to discover the root cause why all these aliens are coming. So I thought I might talk a little bit about root cause based on my 30 years of experience with the former INS. The biggest root cause for the aliens flooding across our borders is attributable to the Biden administration's policies and statements. Okay? That's, that started it. Come to America and nothing bad will happen to you. We'll give you what you want. What, come one, come all. We're even going to open processing centers so there's an orderly flow of people into the United States as though we somehow needed to repopulate the United States. Are we having a shortage of people in America? Is that the issue? Am I missing something? And with all the talk about artificial intelligence and how jobs are likely to be lost, is this the time that we need to bring in more low-skilled or no-skilled labor? Is that really beneficial to America or Americans? Is it beneficial to American kids that we flood our schools with children who can't speak, read, or write English. Back around 2006, the Congressional Budget Office did a study, and they found that when children are not English proficient, it costs 20 to 40% more to educate them. So besides the raw numbers of all the people coming, add to that language issues where English as is a second language uh, needs to be implemented in these schools, depriving the schools of money for other vital programs, such as early intervention for American and resident alien children with learning disabilities, an issue that I'm very uh, concerned about. 
bringing in kids who may be members of gangs. We saw that. I saw that up close in a person when I began investigating MS-13 back around 1991, 1992, out on Long Island. That was the beginnings of MS-13 on the East Coast. And what was a very small problem metastasized all over the country, huge numbers, lots of violence, and generally it's the children within the ethnic immigrant communities who are suffering the violence and the crimes of these gangs. Look what just happened in Texas. You know, I keep making the point that it's not anti-immigrants who enforce the immigration laws because it's the immigrant communities that are most likely to suffer the violence from transnational criminals. And this isn't only when we're talking about people from Latin America. This isn't a race thing. The numbskulls on the left want you to think, oh, this is race, this is bigotry. I've arrested people from all over the world for violating our immigration laws. I got an award from the government of Japan for helping them to bring a woman home, a Japanese woman, who was smuggling cocaine from the United States into Tokyo. So they were very nice. They provided me with a police medal and a certificate. I was very honored. I arrested an individual in New York who was wanted for murder in Israel. I arrested another individual in Queens, or sorry, in Brooklyn, who was wanted for murder in Great Britain. We worked with New Scotland Yard. I arrested a suspected IRA terrorist, took a firearm off him. We prosecuted him. I, I don't think these people are Latino, okay? I arrested many uh, members of the Jamaican drug posses, not Latino. I've arrested people from... Australia and New Zealand and Canada, I worked with the RCMP. This isn't about race, because human nature is human nature, and it's universal. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity, every nationality has the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay? And look at what just happened in Texas. An illegal Mexican who was deported at least four times previously went out on his, in his backyard or his front lawn or wherever he was with an AK-47 and was pumping rounds into the sky. His neighbors came out. He was drunk. They said, please stop. Our baby's trying to sleep. He became so enraged that he grabbed his AK-47, charged into their house, and killed five members of the family, including a nine-year-old boy. They were from Honduras. Again, the ethnic immigrant Latino community suffered five senseless, tragic deaths because an illegal alien who had multiple deportations was at large and not in jail for the crime of reentry after deportation. He was out there. Where was DHS and all this? Who knows? Who cares? Missing in action, as usual, lacking the resources to go after people who violate the immigration laws, because interior enforcement is not an issue that either party wants to talk about. Why? Because interior enforcement would enable us to go after the bad employers, the crooked lawyers, right, the gangs, the human traffickers, and we can go after the fraud. Immigration fraud is considered, was considered by the 9-11 Commission to be the number one method of entry and embedding for terrorists. The very first time I testified before Congress was back on May 20th, 1997, four and a half years before the attacks of 9-11 on the issue of visa fraud and immigration benefit fraud because of two terror attacks carried out in the United States by men from the Middle East Back in 1993, the shooting at the CIA by an individual by the name of Cansey killed two CIA officers, wounded others, fled the country, was brought back, put on trial, found guilty and executed, but the dead remained dead. One month after that incident, 
in February 93, we had the bombing at the Trade Center. Every one of the participants was an alien who one way or the other gamed the immigration system, committed immigration fraud. The Border Patrol does nothing about immigration fraud. It's not in their job description or their mission statement. Their job is to secure the border against uninspected entry, period, full stop. Okay, that's supposed to do these other missions. And we don't have ICE agents because globalists like George W. Bush made sure that we did not have the resources for interior enforcement. In fact, John Hostetler, who had been the Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, complained bitterly about the lack of resources. Even Sheila Jackson Lee went nuts when Bush wouldn't hire all the agents that Congress gave him the money to hire, wouldn't hire the ICE agents, wouldn't hire Border Patrol agents, wouldn't even purchase detention beds for illegal aliens, and who took up the task probably most vociferously, Sheila Jackson Lee. And it was Sheila Jackson Lee, by the way, who invited me as her witness at two hearings before the House Immigration Subcommittee because she was the ranking member. In March of 2002, everybody was stunned to find out that two of the dead terrorists from the 9-11 attacks, Mohammed Atta, the ringleader, and Marwan al Shahi one of his cohorts, had been granted authorization to attend flight school six months after the attack. So everybody knew, A, they were dead, B, they were terrorists, but leave it to the old INS to screw up. Actually, it wasn't the INS. The, the, the gimmick with government is they hire private companies to do the work that the agencies themselves should be doing. So they give contracts to these companies. I, I guess they're hoping for campaign contributions so the money goes round and round, Okay just like we're seeing on the border, $4 billion to deal with the border crisis, not to secure the border, but to provide room, housing, food, medical care, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is outrageous. This is a cottage industry, and we call these non-government organizations, so-called NGOs, by another name. But believe it or not, you could laugh or cry. They call them nonprofits. How can you be a nonprofit when you get over $100 million in contracts from the U.S. government? Is it embezzlement or just bad bookkeeping? Nonprofit. Don't you like that term? You get hundreds of millions of dollars in government contracts, but we refer to you as a nonprofit. Oh, my goodness gracious. George Orwell must be pinwheeling in his grave. So that's where we are. You, you know, Sheila Jackson Lee used to understand the issues. The Democrats were very strong on the issues. Jackson Lee also had me testify at a hearing about visa fraud. I suggested it to her. I said, when you look at alien smuggling, it's not just the borders of the United States. It's these groups that get visas for people to enable them to enter the country, when in reality they don't have the qualifications, but by lying on their applications and getting away with it, they wind up getting visas and entering the United States, which was the method of entry of choice for the terrorists, not just 9-11, but a whole slew of them. The 9-11 Commission did a detailed study about immigration fraud and found that it was very prevalent throughout the terrorist attacks that were committed in the decade leading up to 9-11. Multiple identities, concealing their affiliations, etc., etc., etc. ICE is supposed to go after immigration fraud. We don't have ICE agents. And this administration could care less. <clears throat> then we get to Mayorkas. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. Mayorkas ran citizenship and immigration services for the Obama administration. 
Now, I think of that outfit as America's locksmith. I spent the years in the adjudications office of doing the marriage interviews in New York City back in the mid-'70s because we suddenly realized that lots of people were getting married to get green cards, but obviously they weren't living together. These were broad marriages, marriages of convenience. And by going after these aliens, the numbers of applications fell through the floorboards because suddenly aliens are being arrested when their spouse admitted, yes, I was paid to marry this guy. Didn't even need to prosecute them. The fact that they would get deported sent a very clear message. You lie on those applications. We will come and we will send you back to your own country. I think I would go further. I would love to prosecute the Americans and get involved in this nonsense and publicize it. Put them in jail for a couple of years. You commit tax fraud, you go to jail. Why should you get off if you commit immigration fraud, which has severe national security implications, not based on what I'm saying, but based on what the 9-11 Commission found, right? So you have Mayorkas ordering his people, get to yes, no matter what, approve the petitions for the visas. Doesn't matter if statutorily they shouldn't be approved. Doesn't matter if the FBI came to him and said, oh, this company that, that you're processing visas for, these EB-5 treaty investor visas, has a potential link to Hezbollah, an Iranian terrorist group. He went ahead and proceeded to approve all of those applications, ordering his people to approve the applications. Mayorkas was also the architect of DACA, okay, the Deferred Action Childhood Arrival Program, which a number of courts have ruled was illegal. And who was one of the key architects? Alejandro Mayorkas, the guy that now runs the entire Department of Homeland Security. <clears throat> so he goes down to the border to Brownsville, and what was his concern? Well, he made it clear the border is not open. Oh, of course it's not, right? And he wanted to make certain that we have the resources to process all the people. So under Mayorkas, I had predicted DHS would become the Department of Homeland Surrender. I guess we can now also say that DHS stands for the Department of Hospitality Services, right? The Department of Hospitality Services. He thinks he's running a hotel system for illegal aliens, and the hell with what it does to national security, public safety, the jobs and wages of Americans, or the quality of life for Americans across the United States, because those aliens are showing up in towns and cities clear across America. So when you watch the news and they say, well, the border communities are bracing for the onslaught, <clears throat> America is bracing for the onslaught, and it's an onslaught that we shouldn't have to deal with. The fact that most of these aliens won't qualify for asylum should make it clear that we should not be entertaining those applications in the first place. Now, there's a, there's a very strong reason why this should be of great concern to us, and let me explain it to you. The 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel made a couple of interesting statements. First of all, it addressed border security. Now, this report, the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel, I frequently provide links to these reports and sections of laws uh, in my articles for Front Page Magazine. But if you look at the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel, here's how the preface of that report begins. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Right? So right off the bat, what are they telling you? And it goes on and says, yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. You've got to wonder what nimrods they hired to run these agencies that they couldn't figure this out. 
And finally, it says, indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe for reasons we discussed in the following pages, it must be made once. So here they're talking about visas, not even only the Mexican border. When was the last time you heard any politician from any party talk about immigration fraud, visa fraud, passport fraud? The 12th of never? All they want you to do, keep watching the southern border. It's a disaster. Early it is. I'm not minimizing it. <clears throat> but that's only one of the holes in the bottom of our boat. Right? Think about that. And now you've got politicians and journalists on, on, the, on the right saying, oh, well, maybe if we had comprehensive immigration reform. Every time those two words show up in the media, they are firing the starter's pistol for aspiring illegal aliens from all over the world. Because what are they saying? Sooner or later, you're going to get a green card. Sooner or later, you're going to be able to bring your family to the United States. Jewelry stores, back when I was a kid, now in New York, most of the jewelry stores have gates up altogether. But even in, in the days of normalcy, back when I was much younger, generally the jewelers would take the fancy watches and rings out of the window and put them in a safe, or at the very least put a velvet cloth over them so that people walking by didn't see some beautiful watch and think, gee, if I break the window, I can get that watch, right? You keep it out of sight. You don't dangle it out there and say, hey, look what you can get if you break a window. Every time the politicians and every time the so-called journalists talk about comprehensive reform, they're incentivizing more aliens to head this way. They are firing the starter's pistol for this marathon that ends at the U.S. borders, aren't they? Who's on our side here, folks? Nobody. Crickets. But it, it gets worse. Because that staff report on terrorist travel goes on and makes a point that's really very important to think about. And, and what's the point that they're making? By the way, they also say that abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity. The fact that terrorists were stopped by the police for running red lights they never thought to call immigration in the case of one of the 9-11 hijackers Imagine if they had called immigration and they took custody. Maybe 9-11 wouldn't have happened because a key player was taken out of position. Right? We ignore immigration laws. They're super important laws. These aren't minor laws. And, and in fact, on page 61, they make this point, exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there's evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connection to fraudulent document vendors, here we go again, fraud and corrupt government officials, I wonder who they're referring to, human smugglers clearly have the, quote, credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. But now let's get to this page, this on page 98. And understand what we're really dealing with and what the Biden administration has done to literally nuke national security on immigration issues. And again, immigration is at the heart of national security and public safety. Page 98. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. 
As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, the program I was working on, folks, right? Achieving temporary worker status, DACA, great example. And again, who was one of the key architects of DACA? New Yorkers, okay? So as already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, or applying for asylum after entering. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists, terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. So the idea that they could file an application for a benefit permitted them to remain in the, in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Because of the way that the Biden administration has flooded the asylum system with millions of applications, do you know what the weight is now for an alien who applies for asylum and winds up in New York? Do you know how much time they have in order to uh, wait for the petition to be adjudicated? Ten years. Ten years. And I will tell you, as a former immigration agent, if I encountered a suspected illegal alien and I say to the guy, do you have any immigration papers? And he showed me that he has a court date in 2034, which is, I believe, the time that they're now being given the dates for, 2034. I can't even take him into custody for immigration law violation because he already has a court date. So what am I going to do? Where am I going to put him? You arrest someone to make sure they go to immigration court. He's got a court date, 10 years from now. So for 10 years, people from special interest countries, countries that are engaged in terrorism, can float freely around the United States, doing whatever in the world they feel like doing, whatever their little hearts desire, because their court date is a decade from now. A decade from now. Thank you, Joe Biden. Why is nobody raising these issues? Why is this not being asked? by the members of Congress. Nothing. Crickets. All we hear about is the southern border. Is it open or is it closed? Is it closed or is it open? Is it secure? I mean, seriously, this is the stuff of my worst nightmares. I lived through 9-11. I remember having an argument with the former chief counsel to the House Judiciary Committee where I said to him, what the blank will it take, another attack at the Trade Center? I had that argument with him on the Friday before 9-11. Four days later, the planes hit the towers. This is deadly serious stuff. And the open borders crowds and the journalists are all trying to convince you that if you don't want an open border, that you're evil and mean-spirited and a xenophobe. Let me tell you what. This isn't about xenophobia. This is about not wanting to be part of a suicide pact. We not only have the right as a country, but the imperative as a country to keep people out who want to do harm to us. The shared common mission of the armed forces of the United States is to keep the enemies of the United States as far from our shores as possible. But up close and in person, that vital task falls to the men and women of the Coast Guard, the Border Patrol, and ICE. But it's never presented that way. And it's remarkable to me that we have all these sanctuary cities and the mayors of these cities, people like Adams and all of them, 
jumping up and down now saying, oh, my God, you're sending us too much people. Turn it off. Turn it off. We can't deal with it. We're overwhelmed. Of course you're overwhelmed. But we've been overwhelmed for quite some time. Back in 2018, there was a study done that indicated that New York had the greatest number of illegal aliens over any other city in the entire United States of America. Not because they're making New York a destination city, although to some it is, but because you have aliens coming through Kennedy International Airport, coming through the northern border, going away on ships, and here they are. And here they are. That is an illegal alien who came through an international airport, less of a threat than an alien who ran the Mexican border, if they violate the terms of their visas? No, not necessarily. Because in point of fact, that most of the terrorists entered through international airports. This is what we're talking about. This is about national security. But it would appear that the lives of Americans are very cheap. Over 100,000 died last year because of fentanyl poisoning, and what were the consequences? What did the government do about it? Nothing. 3,000 died on 9-11. We went to war. Now we're at the point where 100,000 are killed by fentanyl being smuggled into the United States by our good friends in China with the assistance of the Mexican cartels, perhaps Iran and Hezbollah. And, and what do we do about it? Upkis. We encourage drug use by decriminalizing it in some cities and by putting up posters in places like New York telling people how to use dangerous illegal drugs safely. Am I dreaming? I had a very close friend killed doing narcotics investigations for DEA, Everett Hatcher. I was with Hatch perhaps three hours before he was shot to death. What did he die for? What did he die for? We have become a drugged out country. We're destroying ourselves from within. We are doing the bidding of our enemy. And then you hear the stories about Biden and the monies that he's received and the monies that go into political campaigns, and you realize that the politicians are bought and paid for. They are the employees of the people who give them their campaign contributions, and I don't care if they're with the Hopping Kangaroo Party. As a federal agent, I could not take a glass of soda or a cup of coffee. I had an old-time boss who was old school, and I thought he was terrific. He was a role model, and he would always end meetings by saying, remember, as a federal agent, it's not enough that you don't engage in wrongdoing. You must never even give the illusion of doing wrong. And you look at Hunter Biden, and you look at the laptop, and you look at the money, and you look at the allegations, and you say, what's going on here? Swalwell is alleged to have had a, a sexual relationship with Fang Fang, right? Or somebody jokingly said Bang Bang, okay? She was purportedly involved with Chinese espionage. And he was introducing it to other politicians, and then the FBI warned him that she got out of Dodge before anything happened to him. And he's still in Congress, and he still sits on the Foreign Relations Committee, as far as I know. Let me tell you, if when I was an agent, I had that kind of a relationship with a foreign national involved in espionage, a hostile nation, I'd probably be in front of a grand jury. But the politicians are the elite class. The laws don't apply to them. The rules don't apply to them. We're the little people, and they do what they want, and they treat us as though we're their servants instead of the other way around. And my father was very clear about this kind of insanity. He told me, Mike, you will teach people how they should treat you by demonstrating what you're willing to accept. 
what you're willing to accept. Well, I guess we're willing to accept being pushed around by a bunch of nimrods, half of whom couldn't hold down a real job if they had to. This is insanity. And America's future, and with it the future of our children and their children, are hanging in the balance. Hanging in the balance. And by overflowing the asylum system, making certain that it will be forever before these people have their hearing dates, guess what it means? It means that they are free to wander around the country and perhaps concoct terrorist plots or take other actions that certainly are not in our best interest. And I think I mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention it again. Forgive me for being repetitious. The Washington Times reported on September 27, 2022, this last September, FBI money requests signals ongoing problems in vetting Afghan refugees. It goes on and says, tucked inside the Democrats' new spending bill is $15.3 million in emergency money for the FBI to investigate Afghan evacuees brought to the United States during last year's chaotic uh, airlift. Congress is pumping the money into the FBI just a month after Director Christopher A. Ray told the lawmakers that the Bureau was having to conduct, quote, lots of interviews to keep track of Afghans and obliquely warned of, quote, a number of disruptive activities. Lawmakers said the money is the latest evidence of a hasty evacuation that jeopardizes American safety. The Biden administration's decision to let tens of thousands of unvetted Afghans into our country first and ask questions later has backfired, said Representative Thomas P. Tiffany, Wisconsin Republican. Well, well, he went on and said, we warned well over a year ago that this would happen, and two Inspector General reports have since confirmed those fears, but the White House refused to listen, and the horses are already out of the barn. So as the FBI is trying to figure out who we let in, we're about to let in millions more as Title 42 goes the way of the dodo bird. And no one asks the fundamental question, how is this in the best interest of America or Americans? And then we're told about all these people from Venezuela showing up on the border. So here's a question that I have that probably the so-called journalists who know nothing about immigration law enforcement have yet to ask, because I haven't heard anybody raise this particular question. How do they know these people are from Venezuela? Well, the short answer for the person that doesn't understand will say, well, they have Venezuelan passports. Well, the reality is that for the past couple decades, Venezuela, the country that we buy petroleum from under the Biden administration, by the way, it's a communist regime, right? The uh, Venezuelan government has been working hand in glove with the Quds forces, the shock troops from Iran. It's a destination city that goes directly from Tehran to Caracas. Do you not think that Venezuela would provide passports to the Iranians? if it served their mutual purposes. I can tell you that I arrested a number of Colombians who had Venezuelan passports. And I asked them, why do you have a Venezuelan passport? They said, well, we know that in America, if you see a Colombian passport, you're going to think, well, I'm a drug dealer. Well, how did you get a Venezuelan passport? Oh, there was a guy there, and you paid him money. And, and they had a, an actual, authentic Venezuelan passport. So the journalists are taking it at face value. These are Venezuelans. Don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. We had a case involving an Israeli who was a Sabra. That's a native to the Middle East. They have dark complexions, black curly hair. 
They could pass for Latino. We had a guy coming out of what they thought was a Mexican stash house in Houston. And it was, you know, everybody knew which agents had connections to which law enforcement agencies of other countries so we could work cooperatively. Uh, my very fa- first fraud case caused me to trip over a terror plot in Israel. We prevented the bombing of an oil refinery. So as you might imagine, the Israelis uh, were very happy to work with me, and that's how I wound up arresting one of their citizens who was wanted for murder. He was a fugitive. And in this particular case, the agents from the um, the, ta- the drug task force, the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force in Houston, stopped this guy with a bag walking out of a stash house. By the time they got to him, he was in his truck, claimed he couldn't understand English, so they switched to Spanish. He couldn't understand Spanish, either he turned out to be Israeli. As they were heading for the vehicle, he ripped up his passport, shoved it into the upholstery, into the springs of the seat of the truck he was in. They found a firearm, they found drugs, they found money. And it turned out that he was part of a smuggling operation that was bringing drugs from Lebanon into Israel. And the Israelis were happy to cooperate with us. They actually, at one point, had several of their detectives sitting on drug wiretaps up at the DEA. I had a desk at DEA for for 15 years, a desk at the FBI for 10 years. And we worked very closely with these other countries, especially Israel. And I will tell you that the people that I spoke with who first arrested him told me that they were stunned to find out he was Israeli. They thought he was a Latino. You don't think that there are Iranians who could pass the same way for being Latino? We have no idea who's coming here. We do know that we're dealing with hundreds of thousands of young men, military age, from China, from the Middle East, from Africa, from countries that have a nexus to terrorism. What happens when Iran is about to get their bomb together and we try to stop them and they tell their people, today's the day, get busy, and stuff starts blowing up? Or China goes into Taiwan, we try to interfere, and they call their operatives into action to commit sabotage. If you've seen the stories about the so-called Chinese police stations in the United States, that's how they keep their citizens in line, reaching all the way from Beijing to New York or elsewhere within our borders. This is how dangerous it is. And I want you to think of something that we kept hearing shortly after 9-11, those of you old enough to remember the aftermath of those terrible attacks. We were told this by George W. Bush. We were told this by Barack Obama, by Rudy Giuliani, anybody that got in front of a microphone. For the terrorists to succeed, they only have to get it right once. For us to be safe, our people have to be getting it right 100% of the time. Every alien who evades the vetting process, whether they're getaways or they succeed in lying about their identities, there was an inspector general report about the shortcoming of the vetting process for the people we're letting in besides the Afghanis, okay? Every one of those aliens who gets through that process by lying or by evading the process altogether provides the terrorists with that one opportunity that they're looking for. And it doesn't take many terrorists to do a number on us. 19 did one hell of a job on 9-11. The Tsarnaev brothers, the two of them, did a hell of a job on the Boston Marathon. Understand what we're talking about. And the Biden administration's actions have encouraged and enticed precedented numbers of illegal aliens to flood across our borders, 
overwhelming every immigration system, not just the southern border. I fear that it is only a matter of time before something terrible happens. And you know what's so remarkable is that if a doctor screws up and a patient dies or suffers an injury, that doctor is held liable and accountable. The doctor can be sued. They can lose their license. They can be prosecuted. There's, there's repercussions. A police officer, the heat of politicians can make decisions that lead to the deaths of thousands of innocent Americans, and they do it with impunity, and they face no consequences, none whatsoever time that we let the politicians know that we're not the fools they've been playing us for. We need to sit down with our neighbors and have meaningful conversations. Forget about the left and the right, and this party, that party. Keep the names and the personalities out of it. The issues by themselves should be significant enough to get Americans to understand the perils that we face because of an administration that's acting in opposition, in my judgment, to the best interest of America and Americans, acting in opposition to the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission that was convened specifically to make certain that we didn't get hit again. I want someone to explain why they're doing it. Why is nobody at those White House news conferences raising the issue of the 9-11 Commission report? Why is no one asking, how is this good news for Americans or America? Please don't tell me what the aliens want. How about taking into account what Americans should be able to expect from the people that were elected to hopefully represent them and their families? Lots of questions, very few answers, especially from Joe Biden, who thinks it's the punchline to a joke that he's all the time and is never made to answer questions or be made accountable. If you want to look at the root cause of the problems, it starts with the administration, and then you have people that might be here to work, but you might be here, might be here because they're fugitives, they might be terrorists, they might be members of the drug cartels. Those are very disconcerting root causes that, again, nobody ever talks about in the mainstream media or even within the political realm. We, the people, need to start talking about it. We, the people, need to start raising those issues when we go to town hall meetings with those who claim to be our representatives. And by the way, any politician who refuses to attend the town hall meeting needs to be sent packing. Because I remember when I was an agent, if my boss said, we're having a meeting at 0800 hours, I wouldn't dream of saying, gee, I was planning to sleep in that morning. These politicians are our employees, and it's time that we treated them as though they were our employees. You know, I keep coming back to the issue that democracy is not a spectator sport. Um, I hope that you'll take that responsibility seriously. Meanwhile, I wish you all a great weekend. Stay safe, be well, and we'll see you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long for now.